I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. Hi, folks. We're having a good day today, and let me be the first to welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, before we begin, I messed up that I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist. If you're starting to be diagnosed with autism, please see a physician, at least be based on my experiences. I also don't own the right to the intro or natural. They were found on mobcup.net and soundboard.com. I also have a mission statement I'd like to review with all of you. The mission of Autism Rocks and Rolls is to take the negative stigma off of autism and other conditions. People on the spectrum are not broken. Those who have conditions don't want to be fixed or pitied. There's nothing to be sorry about. I also have some paid for the following. I must recognize my hometown, which is the city of Bluton, Indiana. This city is spectacular and lovely in its own way. Since 1825, Bluton, Indiana has been serving its community to the greatest extent. Be sure to visit Bluton, Indiana to see what the good old Hoosiers offer in that city. And Reaching High Consulting is a Bluton-based company that provides high-quality ABA therapy to children ages 2 to 8 on the autism spectrum. Their core purpose is to elevate the quality of life for their people, their clients, and their field by being better today than they were yesterday. For more information, visit ReachHighConsulting.org or call them at 812-330-4460. And we also have the new one called Living Home Well Care. They are a non-medical home care agency. They serve 41 counties in Indiana. We assist people with daily activities of living so that they can live safely and independently in their homes, such as cooking, cleaning, running errands, bathing and dressing assistance, laundry assistance, and medication reminders. You can find us on Facebook. Our website is livingwellhomecare.agency. We have been serving our local communities for nine years. We are hiring too. Now, there are some people i like to thank. First, I must thank the latest guest I had on my show, Maya Sundermeyer and C206, waving at Maya Sundermeyer for more information. But what an amazing woman and an even better guest. Thanks, Maya. You are a cool lady. We also must thank our board yet again for our last meeting. Through this meeting, we decided to donate $1,000 to Hands and Autism and $5 to Spin and Chat Radio. I am just so grateful for a board because I'd be lost if I did not have them. And two weeks ago, I was invited back to the Greene County CEO class. Thank you, Ashley Kirkland Veach, for letting me come back and see some of my old CEO friends. Also, I will say your new students did a fantastic job with the trade show. They all have bright futures. And some exciting news. I did one of the speaking gigs I mentioned in the last episode. I spoke in Canada at Asset, Assistive Special Education Technology. It was a great time with everyone, and I had the opportunity to meet Temple Grandin in person. And C-124, pictures on the ranch from Temple Grandin. But thank you, Judy, for letting me add an international speaker to my list. And since the last time I did another MBX networking event where I met some amazing people and connections, thank you for always letting me be on and being part of this business family atmosphere each time I come back. And since the latest episode, I've been on several podcasts. I was on the Leadership Loaning Podcast with Jason McLaren, the Inclusion Bites Podcast with Joanne Lockwood, the Rise and Evolve Podcast with Tim Welch, and the Trent Speaks Podcast with Trent Speaks. These are awesome podcasts. Be sure to listen to each one of these incredible podcasts. Now, folks, we'll be right back. We're going to hear about CPA tax service, so let's get to it. Stephen R. Miller, CPA in Bloomington, Indiana, will take the stress out of your tax preparation and filing. With over 35 years of experience, he is knowledgeable, friendly, and will help you reach your goals of minimizing your taxes without having to spend days reading through dry, technical, and difficult materials. Mr. Miller will prepare your forms and meet with you prior to filing to make sure that you know what to do and when to do it. Stephen Miller and Assistant Angel Shearer will make sure your tax prep is easy. See them today at 205 North College Avenue in Bloomington, Indiana. Tax season is right now and not around the corner. 
Call Steve and Angel at 812-332-0557 or email at stmillercpa at gmail.com. Do it now and don't wait until the last minute to do your taxes. All right, folks, we're back. And yes, please check them out because they will for sure help you out with your taxes. For today's episode, we have some new content in this show because I do have another professional wrestler. I have two-time ECW champion and 27-time WWE Hardcore champion with me, Raven. Raven has wrestled for companies such as WCW, ECW, and even WWE. He is widely known for his psychological mind games and his punk rock persona. The feud he had with the Sandman in the mid-90s is best described as one of the most emotional wrestling rivalries in history. The reason why I said I have new content is that this is my first guest with two type diabetes and HPD, hysteronic personality disorder, and NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, and I am excited to learn more about it. So without further ado, I'd like everyone to help me welcome Raven to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Raven, how are we doing today? Yeah, I'm doing good. Awesome. So my first topic I want to talk about is you winning the ECW championship against the Sandman the first time. So how did you feel when you won that for the very first time? That was the barbed wire match, right? Yep. Yeah. So I was always scared of doing a barbed wire match because it's barbed wire. You get ripped up to shreds. So I really didn't want to do one, but Paulie knew like I wanted to do one, but I was also scared to do one. So Paulie made me do one. He made me to win the title. He made me do a barbed wire match. That way, I, there's no way I could turn it down. And I told Sammy, and I said, listen, if I get in there and I want you to whip me with the barbed wire across my back, I go, and if I, if you hit me once with it and I scramble away, don't do it again. <laughs> but if I stay there, then keep whipping me. And that means that I'm cool with the whole thing. And once he whipped me with it, I was like, what am I scared of? This doesn't hurt. You know, it doesn't I hurt mean, bad. There's been worse things that could hurt, right? Yeah, it did a lot worse, but it's a psychological thing. I was more psychologically I mean, I was totally psychologically fearful of it for whatever reason. Right. May have been the pointy ends, right? Yeah, the pointy sticker ends. That may have been the reason. Yeah, and there's a lot of them. I also want to talk to you about your characters, Johnny Polo and Scotty Flamingo. And obviously, through wrestling, I learned that it didn't work. So my question is, how did you make the best out of those two characters? Scotty Flamingo, that was a Dusty Rhodes' idea. Like Before that, I always wanted to play a pretty boy chicken heel. So I was Scotty the body to some rich kid who had lots of women and this and that. And then Dusty wanted to put his own spin on it when he brought me into WCW. So he made me Scotty Flamingo, the Flamingo kid, but just slightly different. But what happened was, is Dusty had big plans for me. I was really excited. But then Bill Watts came in and Bill Watts took over and he didn't like me. And Bill Watts let me go which turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me because then I went to New York, wasn't happy there. Me and managers, Johnny Polo, that was Vince's idea. And I told him, I said, I'm not Johnny Polo. This isn't me. I don't have my vocal cadences in somebody who speaks like they're from upper crust Greenwich, Connecticut. I don't sound like it. I don't look like it, but I made the most of it. But if it wasn't for those two failures, I never would have created Raven. At the end of the day, though, you finally realized you got to live your dream and you made the best out of a bad situation. So at the end of the day, it kind of turned out good. To be honest, I'm not unhappy with what I did. I'm proud of the work I did. I thought it was hilarious. I thought I did a really good job with what I was given. Shane McMahon should have been Johnny Polo. To me, that's who Johnny Polo is, Shane McMahon. And the ironic thing is I ended up becoming really good friends with Shane for at that point and him and his friends in the city. Because uh, I ended up having to move to Stanford, Connecticut, because they made me a producer of Monday Night Raw, an associate producer of Monday Night Raw. And I became really good friends with Shane and his buddies. And so I was an actual member of the Mean Street Posse for a shoot. 
before there ever was one on TV, but that was Shane and his buddies in real life. Because those three guys really were his best friends. And I was one of the actual original Mean Street Posse. What's Shane McMahon like in real life, just out of curiosity? I don't know anymore. Because when I came back as Raven, he wasn't the same friend anymore. Not that he was a jerk or anything, but he wasn't the same. Like, we didn't hang at all. He didn't want to pal around anymore. So I was like, all right, whatever. People move on, change. Yep, and that's what Autism Rocks and Roll supports, is we got to move on and change in life. Yeah, so you have autism, huh? And how does it affect you? Well, my autism affects me because it's different phases of life. So when I was younger, I could not go into Walmart at a certain time because of meltdowns, because of the sensory lights and like basketball buzzes. Have you, I don't know if you've been to basketball games or not, but when the clock goes down, the buzz goes. And for Mm -hmm. me, it's like, whoa, it's too much sensory overwhelm. Not to make this about you, but I'm fascinated, but because you're so high functioning. I mean, I've seen autistic people that are strapped to wheelchairs and can't function. I would never know you were autistic if you didn't say you were. Oh, I've heard that many times, Raven, but you would not know unless you live with me. I also want to talk about your your character, Raven. So my sure. question is, does Raven and Scott Levy have any similarities? Are they the exact same person or are they totally different from each other or are they both? Yeah, they're both. It's Scott Levy multiplied by 10. It's the part of me that I don't show in public. I'm always like a joking, having fun, but I'm tormented on the inside kind of guy. You know, the crying on the inside kind of clown. And Raven just puts the crying on the outside. And I know you're a comedian. So you think comedy helps with releasing that inner maybe or? After all the time I've spent on a psychologist's couch that I've pretty much dealt with my issues. I mean, they still flare up and I'm not crying on the inside anymore. I'm content. That's good. We all got to get to that at some point in life. I mean, I actually, actually, let me interrupt for a second. I'm not 100% content. I don't think anybody is. Anybody who is, I wish that was me, but I'm like 75% content. That's a good percentage to be, I think, to be honest with you. Now, I also want to ask you this from a professional wrestling standpoint. I saw that in your career, you turned babyface and heel. So do you like being a babyface or a heel better? I hate being a babyface. I prefer being a heel, except on independent shows, because... On independent shows, I'm usually wrestling local talent. The audience pays to see the name people, so they don't pay for the local guys. The bigger crowds pay for the star. And so to turn myself heel when they came to cheer for me, and for just for an independent show when I'm not coming back, maybe ever, or maybe in a year or two or whatever, it's not fair to the fans to force them to boo me. But when I'm on TV and doing weekly episodic TV, then I prefer being a heel. I never want to be a baby face in that condition. Me too. I'm a nice guy, but I think I would like as a wrestler to play the jerk, to be honest yeah. with you. Because in a way, you can be more creative and go out of the box in a way. I also want to talk about your ring style. So you're a hardcore. So what about the hardcore wrestling style do you love? I love the fact that it gives me so much more creativity because of all the props. Like, if you notice, my hardcore matches are nothing like anybody else's. They're not just me swinging a chair to swing a chair. There's a story I'm telling. The heel's getting heat and the baby face makes a comeback. And we use creative spots like when Rhino gored the shopping cart. I had backlash and I fit his whole giant body inside the shopping cart. And then I brought a kitchen sink, which I brought to ECW originally and hit him with a kitchen sink, you know, because of the cliche, everything but the kitchen sink. It's an old cliche. There's a, oh, he's done everything, but he's pulled every, hit him with everything but the kitchen sink. So I used the kitchen sink that I bought, went to Home Depot and bought. And so it's just a more of a variety. Like one of the most creative things I've ever seen was me and Dreamer were fighting. We both go down and I'm getting up first and his legs hanging off the edge of the apron and Beulah comes over and tapes a frying pan to his leg. And so when we get up, instead of him just hitting me with the frying pan, which he could do and be 
good, you know, get a pop. Instead, she tapes it to his leg and nobody's really paying attention to that. But they kind of see it because she's making a big enough motion that, you know, and we're both down so that the eyes are on her. Because there's a lot of psychology involved. We get up and he goes to kick me with his other leg. I catch it and he gives me an enzigiri with the frying pan taped to his foot in the back of my head. That's so really clever. cool. That's a good wrestling move. That's actually really cool. That's why I love the hardcore matches because there's so much more creativity you can use. Me too. If I was a wrestler, I would love to be the hardcore wrestler jumping off the top and going through a flaming table. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the best. And speaking of the storylines, I heard you about the interview. You said that's what's wrestling missing these days. I'll tell you this. I think it's starting to come back a little bit because if you watch the feud between Roman Reigns and Jey Uso, their Hell in a Cell match tells a story. They're bringing back the drama in that match. I don't really watch current wrestling. I haven't watched it in years. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I don't have the time. And two, because I'm a completist. So I'd have to watch every show. I'd have to watch all of AEW. I'd have to watch all of WWE. I can't just watch a little bit. I need to watch it all because I'm obsessive compulsive a little bit in that way. Third reason is it makes me kind of sad because I never got to, when I was in the WWE, I was never used the way I should have been used. I felt like I should have been a, pushed it to a top level and I wasn't. And it depresses me. It makes me bummed out to watch it. Because all I can think of is, man, I could have done that. I should have been in that spot. You could have been a great world champion, I feel like. They yeah, could have done do more too. with you. I do I too. Like. Now, I also want to talk about your feud with Tommy Dreamer. And that was on the top 25 rivalries of all time at DVD on the 2013. Top 25 rivalries of all time. I can't remember the number, but you and Tommy Jr. were on there. My question is, when you try to get started with the camp story, you created that, I think. And yeah. my question is, where did that idea come from? Okay, so the storyline, originally I was coming in for a short period of time and I was hoping to go to WCW or WWE or Smoky Mountain, but I knew I needed a TV show and to be on to get my character over. And so Paulie was going to bring me in to get Dreamer over. And I figured if we're just going to go start out hot, we need to have something that tells a story so that there's more reason for people to care about us to begin with. Because if I'm just showing up out of nowhere and I'm showing up as a new character and if they recognize me as Johnny Polo, that's going to be a total albatross around my neck because he's such a completely different character. So I made sure that we had a backstory, a history, so that people could sink their teeth into it already. I made up the summer camp story. And then uh, the whole thing with Beulah came because I was at the Super Bowl and I was going to a Super Bowl party at some nightclub and I ran into a Ronnie Gant, a friend of mine who played baseball with the Braves. And he was with Beulah McGillicuddy. And she says, I want to get back into wrestling. I'm like, well, he introduced us because, hey, it's my friend Raven. Raven, this is Beulah, you know, Teresa is her real name. This is Teresa. And she goes, I want to get back into wrestling because he goes, Raven's a wrestler. And so I go, who'd you wrestle for? She goes, I, I worked as Pillman's sister in Calgary, which nobody really knows that. She worked for a short period of time as Pillman's sister when they were dating, I guess, in Calgary 100 years ago. So I gave her a picture to Paulie, and he's like, yeah, let's hire her. And I'm like, all right. He's like, I'm going to stick her with you. And I didn't think I needed a valet. Like I always had a valet before, like in Portland. And I had a valet for two years, but I didn't think Raven needed a valet. But Paulie was right. He definitely works better with a valet. And so I came up with the whole Beulah McGillicuddy they did Dreamer. She was in love with Dreamer. And then I was in love with her and the whole trio. And that made even the story even more deep. Obviously, most people realize the story was made up. Some people may not have. Some people may have thought it was real. But whether they thought it was real or not, if we sell it as convincing, they're going to believe it's real while they're watching it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it became sort of like this oddly love triangle Jerry Springer show kind of issue, but yeah, in a unique yeah. way. Yeah, absolutely. A hardcore Jerry Springer way. <laughs> yeah. 
Jerry Springer used to be hardcore. When Jerry Springer first started, there were tons of fights on it, but then they had to edit it out because the daytime TV. Right. And I'm just curious for myself, what about Beulah? Is she pretty cool in real life or? She's very cool. She's a very cool woman. Yeah. And she was great at the job too. She never complained. She was always in the right spot at the right time. Tremendous. Now, folks, we'll be right back. We're in here and after place for purpose. Well, so we'll be right back. This place does indeed have a purpose. The purpose they want to fulfill is to give children a chance in a foster care system. In this system, they believe that families do not have to be blood, but have to require love in the family of these children. Marcy Cook and this nonprofit want to make a difference in the lives of people who need to be inspired. If you are seeking out a foster care experience, then this is the place to be. Located in Bloomington, Indiana, it will be an experience you will not regret. All right, folks, we're back, and yes, please check because if you have a purpose, that's the place for you. So now, Raven, I do want to talk to you about your type 2 diabetes. So what does having type 2 diabetes mean to you? It means I have to watch what I eat. It means I can't just eat junk all the time. And that's good. I think in a way, I'm glad I got type 2 diabetes because otherwise I would have turned into a big fat lard ass because I like to eat crap too much and I like to eat too much. That's my biggest problem is when I got type 2 diabetes, they said, got to eat healthy, blah, blah, blah. And so I can eat healthy, but I eat too much. And if you eat too much, it's, it's like eating unhealthy because your system can only handle so much food. What advice would you get to someone who is having a hard time managing the type 2 diabetes, who is like you, who wants to avoid becoming, as you said, a big fat lar ass, but can't help it? You got to do cardio. Like I haven't been able to do cardio in six months or a year. First, my knee was so bad that I had to get knee replacement surgery. And so, so I got my knee replaced like eight weeks ago. And for about four months before that, I couldn't do cardio because so, doing cardio is the best thing you can do for type 2 diabetes. It keeps the blood sugar down and it also helps burn calories and burn fat, you know, so you can eat a little less religiously, have a little more variety. The only problem that really I come across because I've also had a heart attack and uh, I've had two stints put in is I have to watch what I eat from that side. So I can't eat a lot of shitty fats. So I have to eat protein, good fats and carbs but I can't eat carbs because of type 2 diabetes. So it's forced me to be really creative with my diet. But I think overall, it's a good thing because not the cardio, not the heart attack and the stents, that sucks. I think the type 2 diabetes, because it kept me from getting out of control diet-wise. We're working with our diet. We're going to take a lot of jogs and in the summer and swim. We're big outdoorsy people. Good. Look, if I had my druthers, I, I wish I didn't have type 2 diabetes, but I got to try and look at it as a positive. It's a pain in the ass, but if I look at it as a positive, that it's helped me stay in shape, you know, relatively in shape. It doesn't make me feel as bad that I have it, that, you know, I'm not contracted it, that I gave it to myself. <laughs> Let me ask you this. I know this is kind of an obvious question, but how does looking at the positive side affect you better, if that makes any sense? Yeah, no, it does. It makes me not um, cry and moan like a baby about having type 2 diabetes. Otherwise, I'd, I'd cry and you know, I'd be like, oh, why did it have to happen to me? I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I never want to be the guy who goes, why me? I mean, sure, when something bad happens, like I had to get a knee replacement surgery and I got to get my other knee replaced and my shoulder. And I already had one shoulder replaced six, eight years ago or something. So I just got my knee. I got to get my other knee in two months and then I got to get my shoulder after that. And so it's going to be for the next year and a half, I'm going to be doing rehab for my body parts. But all I can do is look at it as, yeah, when it's done, I'm going to feel so much better. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I already- like, It's for a good cause at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. So it pays off. And if I didn't look at it that way, I would just, you know, bemoan the fact that this sucks, this sucks. So I try to look at it as a positive. It's easier said than done. Now I do want to get into your, the reason why I had you on, which is your hysteronic and narcissistic personality disorder. So 
What does having those two conditions mean to you? Narcissistic, I was always an egomaniac and I never really knew why, but it turns out what I found out from spending time on a shrink's couches, egotism is all based on insecurity. I really didn't believe I had no sense of self-worth as a person. So you have a lack of self-worth and you don't feel like you're valuable for anything. So what I would do is, I mean, this is all subconscious. I had no idea I was doing this, but I would brag about myself. And if I could convince other people that I was great, then maybe they would convince me I'm great. It's called the looking glass self. That's what they termed it from uh, the Alice in the looking glass, I guess, the book. So that's how I always was, but I never realized it. And until I spent time on a couch with a shrink and got diagnosed, and then I understood it, I was able to deal with it then. And I was like, now, whenever I start to get egotistical, I go, oh, that's why I'm feeling insecure. And then I can talk myself down and then I don't feel insecure. And then I don't feel a need to brag anymore. Let me ask you this, and this is just a, Another personal question. Does this personality disorders, does that sometimes like come off and rub people the wrong way? I mean, I know yes. it would rub me off the wrong way, yes. but yes. it may rub someone else off and be like, yeah, what is he who, doing? Yeah, because who wants to be around an egomaniac? You know, it's no fun. And so I've always been lucky to have close friends because they could see past the egotism. But after that, like I've had a lot of heat with a lot of people because of my ego. It's my fault. So I take responsibility for it, but it's And then the funny thing was, the more I alienated myself from other people and the more I wanted to have lots of friends, I would do everything in my power subconsciously to make sure I didn't have friends because that way I couldn't lose them. Right. So, I wondered that too, because from an autism spectrum, I have a very tough time keeping very close friends too, because I'm just afraid I'll become across as an egotistical maniac. And I just wondered sometimes, is it better for me not to because of my own purpose? No, you're better off having friends. You're better off making friends and having as much of a social life as you can within reason. But you just have to be aware that some people are going to be good friends. Like, I'm really lucky that my close friends, still in touch with my closest friends. I've had like, you know, four, I got like four or five, three to five really close friends who I could call up tomorrow and they would be there if I needed them. Other than that, I don't have people that I call on the phone. I don't talk on the phone to people. It's weird. I want to have friends, but I like being a loner. It doesn't make any sense. No, I get that too. I'm kind of like that in a way myself. Really? Yeah, because cool. I want to make the friends, but at the same time, I'm so afraid that maybe it's just better if I leave them alone and not bother them. It's just, I think I'm sometimes I'm too nice and I want to be a loner sometimes too. I prefer my personal time too, but then there are points where I want to be social. It's like, I want to spend more time with friends, but then I don't want to spend the time or the effort to do it. <laughs> in a way, yeah, that's what it is. Now, I do yeah. want to talk to you about your podcast that you run, The Raven Effect. So what got you into podcasting? Okay, well, I always wanted to do a radio show. When I got done with wrestling, that was my goal was to do a radio show. But then podcasting, so I wanted to do a podcast, but I didn't have any into it. I had no connections. This is, I don't know, five years, six years since I've started a podcast. I don't, I don't know how long I've had it. And Jericho called me up. He was starting his own podcast network on, uh, I forget the channel, Podcast One, I think. And so they wanted him to have a couple other people that he thought would make good podcasts and they would be part of the Jericho Network. And so Jericho got Conan and gave me a spot and a couple other people, friends of his, and Don Callis and Lance Storm did one. And then we they ended up wanting to just concentrate on Jericho. So we moved our podcast to a different network and into another network. And now we're on Spreaker. That's awesome. Now I got to ask because it's just me being the little entrepreneur I am and the promoter. What about me being a guest? I would love to, but we don't do guests. Oh man, if we, yeah, we that would have been cool. Yeah, no, I would love to have you, but we don't really do guests. It's just me and these two guys that are buddies of mine. 
and we just talk about nonsense. It's really esoteric and really, basically, it's just having a conversation. It's me and those two guys having a conversation. And it started because the guy who did it before them, he was a, one of my best friends. Me and him would never have any time to talk on a phone. And so we would spend the hour in the podcast just talking to each other. And that would be how we'd catch up every week. Then he ran out of, he couldn't fit it in the schedule. So I had to get two other guys, one other guy. And then it wasn't quite working with one other guy. So I brought another guy in and it did work. So it's the three of us now. But if we had a guest on, we'd guess would never get a word in edgewise. I do want to talk about your catchphrases. What about me? So where did that come from? I think I made that up with Dreamer. I either said it or Dreamer's buddy said it. I forget the exact story. I keep thinking it was his buddy, Martian boy, going, uh, was complaining, what about me? What about Martian, you know, what about uh, Martian boy? And then I just turned it into what about me? What about Raven? I think, but I'm not really sure. I don't really remember that. It was kind of cool to say though. Yeah, it gets heat because nobody likes a whiner and it's very whiny yeah no one likes whiners no one that i know likes a whiner if you do i'm surprised it's crap but anyway yeah you other said quote the raven nevermore and your character which i got into later i forgot to mention it was inspired by edgar Allan poe so this is a personal question so my personal question for you is do you like edgar Allan poe i've never really read him much i'm not a i can't say i'm a fan i can't say i'm not not a fan but i, I just never really read him read the just, raven it's your character man and a part of me is just obstinate that I don't want to read them for that reason, just to be difficult. Now, folks, we're right back. We're here at the Bluebird, so take her away. Have you ever wondered what is the most fun thing to do in Bloomington, Indiana? If you do not know, I have the answer for you because it is time to bring your best dance moves to the Bluebird in Bloomington, Indiana. This rock club does not only host live music, but has karaoke nights as well. Please visit the Bluebird at 216 North Walnut Street, Bloomington, Indiana, 4704. If you have any questions, please contact them at 812-336-398. I repeat, that is 812-336-398. Or leave them an email at their email address, dekubayak1 at gmail.com. That is spelled D-K-U-B-I-A-K-1 at gmail.com. This is the place to be if you want to have a great time. I can promise you that. All right, folks, we're back. And like I said, if you... Check it out. You'll definitely fly like a bluebird. So now I want interested in Raven. You went from being a criminal justice to a wrestler, but I am interested about this criminal justice degree. So what got you interested in criminal justice? I went to college. I grew up in Florida and I went to University of Delaware because I was born in Philadelphia and I wanted to be go back up to near Philadelphia. And when I was in Delaware, I needed a major and I figured I'd go into law school or I'd go into the FBI or the CIA or something like that. And so I figured a criminal justice degree was the best thing. I didn't plan on going into wrestling for a couple of years until a couple right. of years later. And but if you think about it, your life would have been so different if you went into criminal justice. Yeah, if I would have used my degree, yeah, oh, totally different. Do you think that at the end of the day, you would have felt good if you caught the bad guy, prefer to entertaining people? And that's just- Yeah, I don't, yeah I don't know. I mean, it's like, I wonder, I sometimes think about it and wonder what I became an alcoholic and a drug addict if I went into the FBI or the CIA and had that part of my life, but I bypassed that part completely. And I just looked, one of your personal interests is comic books. So I gotta ask you, what about comic books do you love? The thing I love about comic books is that there are pictures and words. Like if, when I read a book, you have to picture the whole story. If you read fiction, you have to picture the whole story in your head. Whereas with comic books, it's like watching a movie or TV, but you create what happens between the panels. Right. And you get to make that up kind of. It also appeals to my laziness because then I don't have to, like, that's why I love watching movies and TV because I don't have to, when I read, I have to picture the story 
and created in my head the situation. I would rather see the situation visually because I'm a very visual person. Right. I'm a very visual thinker. Yeah, me too. You like that too? Yeah, you are. I, yeah. It just makes sense too, but then some cases are auditory. Raven, these are for just for some fun questions. So what is like your paradise meal or favorite food and why is it your favorite? It changes. Like I'll eat the same thing over and over for six months and then I'll get sick of it and eat something else. So, but ice cream always stays in there. Even though I got to watch what I eat because of my diet, type two diabetes, but in my heart, but I would say ice cream. What flavor, man? It depends that that changes. Because there's so many different like uh, mixed flavors, you know, like some ice cream has berries, frozen berries in it. Some ice cream, has, you know, that you get at the grocery store. Some has cereal in it now. I like it with a little something more than just one flavor. It's like chemistry. The mixture goes well. It's like also like with a sandwich. When they offer double meat, I never get double meat because it takes away from the bread to meat ratio. Like it makes it, do you find that for yourself? No, not for me. I'm the meat guy. My next one is, what's your favorite movie or TV show, and why do you like it? I have so many favorites, and, and that changes all the time, too. Uh, one of my favorite TV series of all time is The Blacklist. It's It's been on for like eight years or something like that. Seven years, eight years. Wow. And it's about, it's with James Spader, and he's like the world's greatest criminal, and he turns himself into the CIA, I mean, into the FBI, and turns himself in. You have to find, the, the part of the thing is, why did he turn himself in? And he then has a blacklist of, of criminals that he thinks are so bad that they need to be arrested. It's a long story, but it's really, really good. Now, what's your favorite vacation that you've ever taken, and why did you enjoy that vacation very much? I don't know, because... I don't know the answer to that because I never really take vacations because I travel so much. So when I'm off, I never really went anywhere. And then with the dog, the dog's never been a, in a kennel. There's never been a night other than when he had surgery where he wasn't with either me or, or the missus. We've avoided uh, trips because of that, because we don't want him to be going to a kennel because he would he would just miss us too much. Well, you don't want our dog taking us. Our dog isn't like mean. She's just nervous and will bite the vet's hands off if she could. My dog loves going to the vet because he gets all the attention. Well, oh, I mean, I'll tell you this. I love pit bulls. I love pit bulls. Yeah. They're my favorite type of dog. I'm just sad that the vet they're so misunderstood because they always say, oh, pit bulls, they're the worst. They're the dangerous breed. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> it's not true at all. No, I met the pit bulls who are just affectionate as crap. They're one of the most friendly dogs on the friendly dog scale. Like there's actually a scale and they're way higher than most dogs. The only reason they're, they become bad is because people train them to be bad. You could train a poodle to be a bad, to be a badass. Now, this is my last question. So are there any good memories that you want to tell us about? If you do, why do you remember that memory the most? Now, before you answer, I always like to end with a good memory that made us feel good inside. And it can be with wrestling, with yourself, with the dog, anything you want and a funny memory that made you laugh and fall on the floor. But that can be anything too with your dog, with your wrestling career, with an autograph signing, your call, you want to answer it. So one of my favorite memories is I wasn't a dog person for a long reason, long story. I'll tell it another time. I wasn't a dog person. And so me and the ex-wife, I promised her that we'd get a dog because she's a dog lover. And so after about two and a half, three years being married, I'm like, she's like, you know, you promised me a dog. And I'm like, all right, we'll go get a dog. And she liked big Rottweilers and, and pit bulls. So we, she wanted a Rottweiler. So we go to this place and we buy this 127 pound Rottweiler. Like a dog's giant for, for somebody who's never had a dog, before, you know, since he was a kid, that's a lot of dog to handle for me. And I'm like, all right, if you want it, then we'll get it. And then we were driving home. There was some reason we had to pull over to check on it or something. And we pulled over and I got out of the car to check on him. 
I just fell in love with dogs. All of a sudden I was like, now I get what people mean by dog people. When they say how much they love them and they're like their kid. Like all of a sudden I just had this overwhelming sense of joy from the dog, from just having a dog. And he only lived for a year. His name was Lucian, Lucian Corvinus Levy. And he only lived for a year because he got a brain tumor. And, and the worst part was, there's nothing more sad than him dying. But the worst part was we spent $8,000 trying to find out that we couldn't fix him. It cost us $8,000 in medical bill, in dog medical bills, to find out that there's nothing we can do to save him. Well, I'm not even going to a lecture about how the prices are raising, how ridiculous it is, but <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. But then... You know, so that was super sad, but I cried for like two weeks after he died. And, but then she didn't want to get another dog, but she was still looking and sell, you know, they sell dogs, you know, or people that have dog listings, I guess, for like rescue dogs and stuff. And she saw this dog and I'm like, I'm like, well, let's go see it. She's like, no, I don't want a dog yet. I'm like, let's go see him. So we went and saw him and he was like 45 pounds. He was all small and shrunk up because he was abused and he was a rescue. And she's like, and she went over to him and she he just loved on her. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for a dog yet. I'm like, we're getting the dog. And now he's, well, he was under my desk. He was under there. He'll be 13 June 1st and he's, he's hanging in there, but he's got some, some aging issues, you know, but he's loving my life. I'm glad you like change your perception, and open your eyes. Cause I encourage everyone on this podcast to change the perception because Raven, I'm going to tell you this, and I don't mean to poke fun at you, but from your eyes, you wouldn't know, you don't look like you're successful. And I don't either. I mean, because of other reasons, but society wants to put us in this little bubble of the not success field, but we can do things to make that overcome. And I enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't help that I have resting bitch face. If I'm ever not talking or smiling, my natural smile is a scowl. I think that's all. But before we go, Raven, is there anything you like to say, promote, or any closing remarks? No, but let's do this again in like six months. Okay, we'll, we'll think about that, yeah. Well, now I, I got to beg to do the show. No, we'll do it, we'll do <laughs> it. I just want to say thank you, Raven. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for having me as a guest and thank you for contacting me. Like, I'm really glad that I got to know you. Thanks for joining me for this episode. Please tune in for another episode coming in very soon. I hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much.